This is the Rejoicing in the Word podcast, coming to you from the capital region of the Susquehanna Valley. My name is Josh Hamilton, and I'm here today with Pastor Brandon Starnes. We want to welcome you back to part two of Trouble of the Mind. Now, if you remember correctly, uh, if you've listened to the previous episode, we had to stop, and we were running out of running out of time. So we are back here with part two, and um, we want to look at basically what God has for us as we look to battle the troubles of the mind. And so before we go any further, remember, uh, follow us on the Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash rwmen. That's our Rejoicing in the Word Facebook page. Also, there's the Rejoicing in the Word blog. You can find that at svbcpa.org forward slash rwblog. And then remember for the direct links, it's svbcpa.org forward slash rwpod. And please share that with your friends, your relatives, your coworkers, your and, enemies. Yeah, I have some coworkers that listen, and so um, we just appreciate any of that. Um, but as we move into it here, we looked at the troubles of the mind, what they were, but we want to look at what God has given us. How can we battle these troubles of our mind? Yeah, last week we really spent our time talking about what this worry, care, etc. We looked at the distinction between worry and anxiety and how sometimes we can combine many other things, just the daily cares of life. Uh, we looked at a number of those that are present. If you haven't, as you said a moment ago, if you haven't already listened to episode, or I should say the previous episode, the first part of this, man, it'd be a great time to hit the pause here, circle back and go and listen to that episode. But for a brief recap, uh, we basically looked at there being some some folks in the scripture the Bible talks about that had some trouble, concern and worry. Uh, we talked about Martha and Job and Jonah and David, etc. And of course, the Lord Jesus Christ knew what it was to experience the humanness of this life, uh, to know hunger, to know cold, to know loneliness, to know rejection. And those are things that even in this hour, many even very genuine believers have to struggle and deal with. And they bring about worries and cares and concerns. And we talked about why they're present and really how we might go about uh, isolating to one point or another, why they're present, how they're present. Uh, we talked about the underlying causes of fear and expectation and comparisons, and then even even down to health issues being a real uh, reason why there are some cares in the lives of individuals. And then compounding that is the idea of just busyness and bad habits and things along that nature. Uh, and all of these added together can play a important role, not just simply uh, inwardly, but also manifesting them physic in, in physical illnesses, etc., outwardly. And that's where we really bring it in for this hour. And that is, as believers, God has given us his Holy Spirit that indwells us, and we have to submerse our mind in the truths of the Word of God. In Philippians 4, as we mentioned last week, we're to be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And so for the life of a believer, it's one of a constant place of stability yeah. uh, to know who God is and what God wants and what we ought to do with these many cares in our life. We have a great arsenal that will allow us to be overcomers even in these matters. Yeah, when the attack of... Uh, anxiety, worry, troubles is waged upon us. Each believer must run to his hiding place. And of course, we find from 
more than, well, Psalm 119, 114, but then many other verses throughout the scripture, the Lord is my hiding place, the Lord is my rock, the Lord is my refuge. Go in the Old Testament and look at some of the great Psalms that are not in the Psalms. But I, I think about the Psalm of David or the Psalm of Moses as they just crossed the Red Sea or the Psalm of uh, Deborah and Barak. Uh, all of these individuals found that their hope, their expectation, their fulfillment, their safety was in the presence of the Almighty God. And David relates it this way. He's my shield and my buckler, my high tower. Uh, those all invoke the imagery of security. Uh, that's why I can cast all my cares upon him. He careth for me. And that's a great joy to think. And so, you know, as a child of God, we've got to secure ourselves behind the shield of God's promises towards us. Uh, Ephesians 6 and 10, to be strong in the power of his might, to put on the full armor of God. Uh, That's the imagery that is invoked. God is more than enough. He's provided everything I need as a child of God to live a victorious life. He has given the power. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Romans 8, and I think it's verse 37, we are now more than conquerors through Christ Jesus, which loves us. These divine, I mean, these privileges, these provisions that we have, they'll be secured when we remember some biblical truths here. Yeah, and let's talk just for a moment about some of those biblical truths. I think one of the great biblical truths that a child of God uh, is remiss if they're not constantly considering is the fact of who their heavenly father is. Yeah. Uh, our God is not likened to the heathen God. Our, our God is great. Our God is glorious. Our God is wondrous. And he has revealed himself to the scriptures in so many and marvelous ways. Well, how about just the first thing to remember about him? He's our heavenly father. Yes, he is. And we are his children. children. Uh, I even like the 23rd Psalm. He is our shepherd. We're the sheep of his pasture. Yeah, uh, He leadeth us beside the still waters. He restoreth our soul. All that imagery of the sheep and the shepherd, right? The sheep is cast down. The sheep needs to be fed. The sheep needs to be watered. The sheep needs to be protected. It sounds to me like sheep are in an awful lot of trouble. Yeah, that's what we are. All we like sheep have, have gone, gone astray. astray. Yeah. And yet he still is the good shepherd, is he not? Yeah. I, I think you look at his attributes of holiness and love, etc., but we'd be remiss if we did not consider his attributes that he is good. Yeah. That he is good. Every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from above, uh, cometh down from the Father. There's no variableness, neither shadow of turning. It's a wonderful consideration that God is a good God. Yeah. And so I can think during the troubles, trials of life, during the things that I worry about who God is, God is good. Yeah. God is good to me. God is good right now. Even in the trial that I'm in, God is good. Our circumstances don't define God. The scriptures give us yeah, truths about who he is. And to that point, not only is he a good God, he's a great God. He's mighty. Yeah. He's mighty. So it would be one thing to cast all my cares upon him, for he careth for me, if I knew that he couldn't bear them. Right. I mean, that would be a just, I don't know, a little silliness there for a moment. You, you think about, and and the again, the, the parallel, the good father. We are his children. So keep it in that analogy. That's a very biblical analogy. You take the child and and maybe the child is, uh, I can think of many times of maybe like shooting basketball and that realm's way up there and the child tries they might, it's really not getting close. But then dad can lift them up and they can put the ball in the hoop. 
Well, it'd be one thing for them to depend on dad to do that, but what if dad did not have that ability to do? Right. It would just seem hopeless. But our God's a mighty God. He's a great God. And he can accomplish all things. And that is a wonderful rest that we can experience as his dear children. Another thing is that he's an all-knowing God. So he knows our troubles. Yeah, well, he knows them before we know them. Yeah, the 139th Psalm, he talks about knowing the words while they're yet in our mouth. Um, he, uh, he, he is always with us. We might even keep him with the 139th Psalm, uh, that if we were to take the wings of the morning and fly into the, the, the uttermost, behold, thou art there. Yeah. To know that he's all-knowing, he's all-present, to know that he's always more than enough. We're where great uh, sin did abound, God's grace did much more abound. There's always enough provision and hope and peace in God than there is in this tribulation on earth. Yeah, and he's always in control. He has a sovereign plan towards me. Um, he's always faithful. I, I think it's an important thing to consider the goodness and greatness and characteristics and really have an understanding of who our Heavenly Father is. His hand is not short that it cannot save. He has not made a promise that he has forgotten about. He does not have a child that he is not concerned about. And so when we're going through worry and uh, we'll call it stress and trials, we're missing a great opportunity if we do not consider the greatness of our Heavenly Father. Yeah, and not only that, as we look at he's a faithful God, he's a good God, he's an all-knowing God, the other thing we need to remember is he has given us promises. Yes. He has made promises. So we have a mighty God, a good God, an all-knowing God, a God that's in control. And so we look at God's character, but let's look at the promises that God has made as a perfect and faithful yeah, God to us. Yeah, where he has extended himself. Yes. You know, it's one thing to ask for uh, for something from someone that you do not rightly know. It's another thing to have an offer made to you. And that's that's what you're insinuating when you talk about his promises to me. Yes. Yes, he has put himself in the place to hear and to answer. He has indebted himself. I've made these promises. I think about Deuteronomy chapter 31 and verse 6. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. And that promise is not just found in Deuteronomy. Yes, yeah, throughout. Yes, I think of the Proverbs. There is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. These are powerful sentiments. So I'm going through a trial, and oftentimes through a trial, or maybe it's troubles, I'm anxious about something, I'm worried about something, I'll immediately begin to self-deceive myself and think, you know what? God didn't care about me. Yeah. That's a lie. Yeah. It's a lie we might believe. Right. But I'll be with you. And not only that, we have the indwelling of the third part of that Godhead of the Holy Spirit of God. So, yes, I have his promise that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. Yeah. Another promise is he promises to give us good things, yeah. good gifts. Yeah, the parallel in, you know, of a father and a child. If a good father knoweth how to give good gifts unto his children, how much greater is your father which is in heaven? You know, if we ask of bread, we give him a stone. Yeah, he's able to far exceed what our earthly fathers can do. Yes. Uh, what What is there that limits God? The only thing that limits God is his own being. Yeah. Uh, he can answer those prayers. Uh, he can calm our fears. He can comfort us in all of our tribulation. He can illuminate the path 
before us and give us discernment to the decisions. You know, these are some of those good gifts that God has bestowed upon us. These are some of his promises. Yeah. But it's not just these two. I, there's there's a, literally a whole book full of them. Yeah. The one that I actually think of the most often whenever I consider care and worry, um, anxiety, those things, is First Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. And the fact is that God promises that he will bear my burdens. And he promises I'll do that for the believer. What is it, Hebrews 4, that you may come boldly before the throne of grace? Yeah. I, I mean that any time, pray without ceasing, at any time, and more often than I do, yeah, uh, I have that opportunity to cast my care upon him. And part of that is all buttressed by the fact that I can know that he loves me. Uh, I think of Romans chapter 8. What can separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Persecution? No. And he goes on, and he thinks, heaven on earth, things under the earth, nor powers, nor things to come, present, nor things to come, shall separate us from the love of God. Right. That is marvelous. You know, sometimes we might go through a time of trouble and we worry if God loves us. For there might be some things in life that uh, attract us to worry about, but sure. worrying about his love for us is one that is settled concretely yeah. and revealed distinguishedly in the word of God. Yeah, and that's something we need to remind ourselves of mm -hmm. because we know about it, but we need to remind ourselves of these promises. Yeah, and there's, like I said, there's many others. The promise that he'll forgive my sins, the promise he'll bear my burdens, the the, the promise I think of uh, that he'll he desires in my life that I increase in my resemblance of him. Uh, that's a wonderful thing. Uh, God doesn't want me in this life to just be a better version of me. Yeah. He wants me to be a version of himself, particularly in the image of Jesus Christ. Yeah. Conformed. Yes. And so sometimes a chief means whereby this occurs is some trouble in life, uh, some change. We've mentioned before to have a renewed mind is to have a renovated mind. Right. And, and that can invoke a little bit of discomfort in our life. But that is in harmony and keeping with often what is the will of God. And so I, I can rest in these promises that he has given to me and to all believers. And these are not all of the promises. Oh, yeah. Only this a is short not even, list of them. This is not even scratching the services. But we can also see that he's helped others in the past. I mean, you think about Jonah. He forgave Jonah's sin. How yeah. many times do we need forgiveness in our lives? Yeah. And there, there's a fella, and I'm speaking of Jonah here. In the four chapters we have about him, he's referenced a few times in the gospel and elsewhere. If you think about Jonah, uh, is a fellow that I, I think he truly understood uh, at the moment that God called him some of what was being revealed concerning the city of Nineveh and the chosen people of God, particularly the northern tribe, which is, is where Jonah was from. Uh, and I think he recognized what was going to happen and had a concern and yet always seemingly had somewhat of a rebellious attitude and was very disappointed at the choice that the Assyrians, the Ninevites, make in their submitting to God and worship of him. Uh, yet here's a man, Jonah, that, that God forgave him. Yeah. Uh, initially in chapter 2, but I believe also in chapter 4. And though he his heart was worried and troubled about things that he wasn't going to be able to change, God was still a good God toward him. And yeah. even in the end of chapter 4, sends good gifts to him. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, Elijah was one we touched on last week. Uh, here's a man that just finished the battle on Mount Carmel. He's got a bounty on his head by Jezebel. Yep. He's running. Uh, he goes into the wilderness. He's isolated. He's exhausted. And yet the Lord ministers to him. Eat and rest, Jonah. Eat and rest, Jonah. Eat and rest, Elijah. Yeah, he helps Eat him. and rest, yes. Yeah. Uh, I marvel at that, uh, how God addressed the physical needs that he has and then confronted him with the lie that he believed. Right. I'm the only one. No, yeah. there's... And that, isn't that how it works so often? We become just completely past about all of the troubles in life. We begin to lie to ourselves. I'm yeah. the only one. Nobody even cares for you, God. Nobody wants to be obedient to you, God. I'm it. I'm all you got, and I don't want to be here anymore. Yeah. I mean, last week we looked at some contributing factors to worry, anxiety, and some lack of sleep. Yes. You know, um, and God had him sleep and eat, sleep and eat. He was resting, restoring his physical man. And then confronting him with the truth. Correct. Now, go back, Elijah, where yeah. I sent you. Yeah. And the fact is, despite... Uh, the failure on behalf of these prophets, God still showed himself good to them. I think that would be true with Martha. Oh, how the Lord speaks to her in Luke chapter 10. Martha, Martha. There's a level of tenderness that is present. You're cumbered about with many things. Yeah. The same truth would be found with David and Job. Uh, God is a good God. He loves his children. He forgives their sins. He bears their burdens. He gives good gifts. And so you as a child of God, we're talking about how to have stability because the inevitability is there's going to be worry, things to worry about. There's going to be things that can make us anxious at times. There's going to be stresses of life. You cannot remove them all. Yeah. You're not going to find the safe space that you can go in and have a life that is completely carefree. Right. So then we have to figure out how are we going to handle these situations? How do you find stability? Yeah. yeah. As as a child, you know, I would sit there and think of that sometimes. When I grow up, I'm going to live a life. I'm going to do whatever I want to. You know, the reality doesn't work that way. Yeah. Part of adulting is accepting responsibilities that are yours and doing them with a joyful heart. And that's easy to say, and it's more of a challenge to, to do. do. Yeah. Yet, it is our responsibility. And so we can look and we look at who God is. And we say, wow, he's my father, heavenly father. His promises to me. And he's helped others. And I, I think also that invokes within us that we have a personal response. Yeah. Part of that personal response is knowing, really, there's a couple of things I need to consider. I think a good part of trying to find stability is this, recognizing that some burdens are not mine to bear. Yeah. I mean, Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts and let him return unto the Lord and he will have mercy upon him. And to our God, he will abundantly pardon. And so, yeah, you know, you think sometimes I we, we want to look back and live with regret and guilt. I think the better way in life, the biblical way in life is to seek confession and repentance towards God and restitution towards individuals that we've harmed. And while there's a level of disappointment that no doubt is going to continue in life, to live with guilt is to have a burden. That's uh, not for you to bear. Yes. Yeah. I think uh, another one that we bear a lot is um, unconfessed sin. 
Yeah. We, we just, we live with it and, and, and we look and we say, well, there's a lot of trouble in my life. Yeah, you've set the hand of God against yourself. Uh, there's something you need to do there. Repentance, uh, forsaking. Um, well, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin. It cleanses from all unrighteousness. So sometimes they're just burdens that we take upon ourselves that are not ours to take. And sometimes we take upon ourselves ungodly burdens. I mean, you look at First John chapter two fifteen: love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Uh, if we, if any man love the world, the love of the Father's not in him. Yeah, and it and just it, goes it on. on in that passage and talk about that the world passes away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Yeah, and there's a lot of ungodly burdens. Last last week we talked about those those weights that we can add to. The burdens of life, and that yeah. might be a wandering mind. It might be uh, gross sin, one of the evil vices. We mentioned pornography. Others were things like drinking alcohol and um, you know um, drugs and things of that nature. Going to have an impairment upon us. Um, sometimes it's failing to take care of the body, which God has given us, and failing in rest and sleep and things. Sometimes it's it's uh, living beyond our means. Those those are all things that like we're able to do to ourselves, right? I think sometimes there's great financial needs because we've wondered about all these things that we've got to have in life that we really can't afford. But rather than living within our means and being content in the state that God has placed us, yeah. we went down to the bank and borrowed everything we need. And the truth of the matter is we're never really truly able to enjoy it as we ought to. And those are just those are burdens that we as a child of God, in some case, they're ungodly. We need not bear them. Yeah, so we need to realize that some burdens are not for us to bear. We need to uh, resist those ungodly burdens. We don't need to have those in our lives. Yeah, years ago, I, I heard a quote, and I've written it down in the Bible, but it, it said this, that your life is too short to accomplish all your dreams, goals, and ambitions and the will of God. Hmm. And the longer I live, the more I find that to be so experientially true. Yeah. Um, I only have so many hours in a day. I only have so many days in a week days in a month, month in a year. And if I'm carried about doing all of these things, worried about them, uh, investing my life in those, I won't have the time I ought to have to make, remember our verse, Matthew 6, 33, to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So there's an importance there uh, to be careful not to bear burdens that aren't ours. And number two, not to bear ungodly burdens. Yeah, and with that also, just just a note, I, I think we have the burden of constantly having a renewed mind. Yeah, we looked at that in episode, I think it's thirty three. Yeah, the the idea, not not to relabor the point, but the idea is all of these decisions I make at life start in the matter of the heart, that inner man, you know. Yeah, and we're weighing it uh, out of the issues of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Where man's treasure is, there shall his heart be also. Matthew chapter six. And so as we're engaging on all these, I've got to write, make sure that I am processing each decision through the truths of the word of God, not through the truth that I have in my mind. Yeah. My ways are not his ways. My thoughts are not his thought. I go to make a decision. I can say, well, hey, I think what I'm going to do is uh, go out uh, to the West and, you know, I'm going to have uh, 10,000 acres with 50,000 head of cattle on it. And that's what I'm going to do. I'm not saying that that's inherently wrong, sure, but I am saying if that's not in keeping with the will of God, you've got a conflict. Yeah. And that or that type of illustration can be used in so many different ways. Sometimes it's not that the believer has chosen wrong. 
They've just not chosen well. They have not chosen what God wants. I was reading recently a preacher, he's long passed away, and he was talking about as a youth, he had a terrible feeling towards cities and, and, and a great love for rural, the rural area. And certainly there there can be benefits there yeah. that one could say, but but that feeling towards city and populace kept him from years for accomplishing what God wanted him to do. Yeah. That desire, and as you could say, well, that's not wrong, it's not a sin, but it may not be what God wants. And right. of course we're leaving off the date that sometimes we're very good at telling God what he wants for us. Yeah. I think we talked about it previously. <laughs> yes. So renewing the mind. Yeah. is an important consideration. Uh, and then as we think about the stability, I think we need to also consider just some of the allies that God has given us. Yeah, uh, We're not alone in this life that uh, is ours to lead for his glory. And there are some allies that God has given us. One of them is, as we mentioned with the life of Elijah, we just have the ally of a stewarded body. Yeah, you think about 1 Corinthians I think it's verse, uh, chapter 6. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? Yeah. And so we need to be stewarding that body, which you have of God is what he says there in the scriptures about yeah, it. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. Yeah. You know, in Second Corinthians chapter 4, we'll deal with the fact that the body is an earthen vessel. Um, you know, our archaeologists oftentimes will do digs and they look for broken pottery shards. Uh, that's how they made these vessels. That's that earthen vessel. Yeah. They break, they wear thin, and such is our body. It's temporal. It's not eternal. And because of such, it experiences, and with age, uh, sometimes it experiences things that are just coupled with age. Yeah. And we've got to keep in mind that it is an earthen body, and as such, it's wearing away with each passing day, yet proper care must be had for it. Yeah. There's got to be the rest. There's got to be proper diets. There's got to be um, uh, just times in which, shall I call it, we have good management of life. Yeah. And also good management of desires. Yeah. We need to keep our desires in yeah. check as yeah. well. Yes. Desires of the body must be kept in check, both in, in, in every aspect of the physical appetite of life. And and so the body is, is an important aspect. It's interesting, again, with Elijah. Rest neat. Rest and eat were part of it. He's caring for himself. Yeah. God was helping him realize he needed to and, do that. But isn't it interesting so often with worry and also anxiety that so often is the case is what does it do? Neglected. It yeah. neglects those two areas. And and that brings us to kind of to another ally, and that is the ally of thankfulness. Yeah. Oh, how wonderful that is. Thankfulness is really a powerful aid to every child of God. It has with it that idea of confessing grace. That's the idea behind thankfulness in the New Testament. Uh, it is the heartfelt expression of the appreciation of God and his goodness and blessing and work in our life. It's mentioned over 40 times in the epistle of Romans itself. And so how are we as thankful? It is really antithetical to worry and to trouble and to anxiety is to give thanks. Yeah. Philippians tells us in all things, rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice, giving thanks in all things, for this is the will of God in yeah. Christ Jesus concerning you. It's what the believer ought to be doing. In fact, it's a characteristic of the unbeliever is unthankfulness. Yeah, Second Timothy, yeah. yeah. Second Timothy chapter 3. Uh, and so those are important things. We ought to see that thankfulness uh, not only for our food, 
not only for one another, but we can see thankfulness for the work of Christ, for the sovereignty of God, uh, all to see thankfulness in our prayer, in our song, in our considerations, in our meditation, really? In everything. In everything. Yeah. In everything that is the will of God. And so these these things help us, the stewarded body, the thankfulness. I think another ally that we have is the body of believers. That's right? a good one. Yeah. I, I have my assembly. Um, I thank the Lord for good, godly folks. I don't know. I, I you know, I, I don't, I've never had the opportunity to give thanks for good, godly, perfect people. Yeah. But good, godly folks that in their life are moving in that area of sanctification and, and such, the assembly of the believers is often overlooked. Well, they're a good example. Yeah. Um, I mean, you need to, if you need an example on how to handle situations, I mean, you have the body of believers to look to. Um, and yeah. like you mentioned, they're not perfect, but they're an example. And we also have them to provoke us to good works, help us make good decisions, godly decisions. Yeah, living the living a godly, dedicated Christian life never happens by accident. Yeah. And, you know, you can find a child of God and down the path a little bit further than you are. I promise it involves some type of dedication and sacrifice. Yeah. But sometimes we just think it automatically happens. And the truth is, we we need to be exhorting one another as much as we see that day approaching. The body of believers is a place to pray. I love our, our we have our prayer time on Thursday nights as a, as a, as a body. And we come to the prayer time, and I like to hear the prayer request. Yeah. And I am not uh, naive to think that everybody is sharing everything that's on their heart. Sure, yeah. But my, hey, you know, pray. We've got these doctors. Pray, just job stuff. Pray for this. Pray. Those are wonderful things, and the fact that they're giving those, and they're praying regularly, they're including me in their prayers, and so they, they pray for one another. And then, of course, a, a, a sound New Testament church is one that cares for one another. Yeah. I think in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 11, and 12, there's several things there about the care of the saints that are in Jerusalem. They care. There's that genuine care one for another. Yeah. They can express affection. Yeah. If it's a true care, it should be expressed. Yeah. Um, not not that I'm wanting to emulate this, but several times in the scriptures in First and Second Corinthians, he talks about greeting the Holy Brethren with a kiss. There's an expression. It ought not to be foreign in a New Testament assembly to hear, I love the brethren. Yeah. I love the brethren. And along with that goes forgiving one another. Yeah, that's the highest form of love in my estimation is that ability to forgive. Yeah. Even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Yeah. Nothing will do more to bring a ministry of people together than a willingness to forgive one another. And, and you know... What helps them move forward? Listen, if you come to a body believer, you know, uh, almost of any size, they don't always think the same way. Yeah. They don't always speak the same way may not always have the same mannerisms. And so sometimes there's going to be offense and to know that they must grow beyond that. They must seek forgiveness one on another. They must be long-suffering. That's all an example. In a time of difficulty, you need these believers yeah. to comfort and to bear your burdens. Yeah. And so those are three allies. We've got the stewarded body. We've got thankfulness. We've got the body of believers. And really, in comparison to this final one, those previous three are small, but we have the indwelling of the Spirit of God. Perhaps the greatest ally that is available is the indwelling of the Spirit of God. His presence is securing. 
in Ephesians chapter 4. Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed into the day of redemption. Because of his constant dwelling, we have wonderful privileges. We have access. We have the fruit of the Spirit. We have the peace of God. We have the illumination of scriptures. Yeah, all, all of those are present because I have the indwelling of the Spirit of God in my life. I don't have to wonder what God thinks. I can read the word of truth and he'll provide the illumination. I can have the peace of God that passes all understanding and keeps my heart and mind. I can know the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. There's that word again. And of course, I have access and standing. Therefore, I can come boldly into the throne of grace. These are great, uh, great gifts, helpers, allies that God has given us to overcome the strains of this life. We must, as individual believers, uh, have some spiritual endurance in these matters. Though the victories at first may seem small, many small victories will surely lead to a great victory. Yeah. And let's conclude this episode here with a verse from 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. The scriptures say, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And with that verse, we'd like to conclude. And thank you for listening. And we look forward to catching you in the next episode. Goodbye for now.